G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 196, brought to you by our Patreon members community. Without the support of our patrons, we simply could not be bringing you this podcast each and every week, commercial free. If you'd like to come and get some extra accountability with your intermittent fasting lifestyle, you may like to join our Patreon community. We do two Zoom accountability meetings each month, two in the Northern Hemisphere, two in the Southern Hemisphere, hosted by myself, as well as bonus content, bonus podcasts and bonus discussion topics in our Patreon community each and every week. And you can find out the information there by going to the show notes and clicking on the link at www.patreon.com forward slash the fasting highway. Okay, folks, let's get on with today's podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to Neil and Susie Schultz. And Neil and Susie live in Pennsylvania there in the United States. And both Neil and Susie have had interesting journeys uh, with their weight throughout their lives and how they came to intermittent fasting and started together as a couple, as you'll hear in this podcast. But I won't go into it too much. I'd rather Neil and Susie tell the story. So here they are, Neil and Susie. Oh, g'day, Neil and Susie, and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me. Uh, hi, Graham. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's an honor to be on your program. Listen to every one of your podcasts. Well, that's an honor for me, mate. And thank you so much, Neil. I really appreciate it. So, Neil and Susie, what we might do is is get your backstory. And seeing as we heard in the bio there, you guys started at the same time, more or less. Neil, I might get you to cover off on the backstory part about how you found your way to intermittent fasting and how you and uh, Susie got going with it. Yes, it's a it's a unique story. Um, my sister, uh, where my sister and I are always into health and weight loss and exercising and trying to be healthy. And she sent me a message one day and said, you have to listen to this YouTube video. Uh, She said, I am totally fascinated with it. So I took her advice. I listened to it on my way to work that morning. And it was a video of Dr. Jason Fung being interviewed. And I don't remember who was interviewing him. But he was explaining uh, fasting and how it can actually cure diabetes, actually reverse diabetes. And he explained fasting and how hunger isn't real. And I was totally fascinated with it myself. And I listened to that 20 minute podcast. And when he said, hunger isn't real, it's a wave and it will go over you. I thought, well, I'll see how this goes. So that day at 11 o'clock, I had my a snack, what I call a snack, which was routine at the time. It was pepperoni and cheese melted together. I ate that, 
And then I did not eat anything until the following evening. So my first fast was a 36 hour. And I came home all too happy to explain to Susie what I found. I got her to listen to it. And she had already toyed with it a little bit before. Uh, she, she was doing a form of intermittent fasting herself. Uh, but I wrote that off as just another diet. But when I heard a doctor state it, I just took the ball and ran with it. And it, it, it was very rewarding. Unbelievable how good I felt. Just, just the power, the confidence in being able to go 36 hours without eating after being told you would die. Mm, that's fantastic. And, and Susie, did you sort of come into the picture when Neil sort of told you about this or how did that work? Yes, that was um, when we watched the video and we heard more about it, it just made everything click. Like I had heard a coworker had told me her friend said this and this, you know, like maybe six months prior to that. So I had heard about it and, and knew about it, but I didn't know any of the the actual whys and, and the ins and outs and the insulin spikes and, and all that stuff. But the watching Dr. Fung and just put it all into perspective. And I always want to, I can't let Neil be one up on me. So if he's doing it, I can do it. And so we both just watched the video and just simultaneously said, this is the way it's going to be. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah. When, when was it that you watched that video, Neil? November of 2021 on my way to work. So you guys are closing in on two years of your intermittent fasting lifestyle now. So we might do, I know folks out there listening like to know the stats. So we might start with you, Susie. Your stats, if you don't mind sharing where your weight was when you first started nearly two years ago there, and just your height as well. People like to know that stuff. Sure. So my weight was about 235, 240. Um, This is the first time my husband's hearing that. (laughs) <laughs> the actual weight. Um, I am five five, and now I am um, one sixty. My my goal is, you know, and and I got this from you, Graham. You're like, don't make a goal, make a goal range. A, a range, range. Yes. So make a range. So I would like to be between one thirty five and one forty five. I'm giving myself ten pounds there. Um, I. Did hit it once. I well, I hit down 139 for a day. Um, that was I just looked on my on my um, app, and it was back in March. And so I did, as you know, Graham, because I did reach out to you for a one-on-one um, a couple weeks ago, and we did that. You know, I did have about a 20-pound weight gain. And um, you, you, speaking to you really helped. This really put stuff into perspective. Put me. It reset me. So you know, I'm back on that. Yeah, back on track. Well, amazing. Congratulations on that. I mean, 75 pounds in two years is crazy. That's fantastic. And you must feel so much better for it. You know, and being five foot four and carrying 235 or 106 kilograms for our southern listeners here, that is a fair weight, but amount of weight to sort of lose that 70 pounds off your body. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, Neil, just your stats when you first started that near two years ago. So, near two years ago, I was ending a uh, when I started this, I was doing pretty strict keto uh, from previous to that. So my high before this was about 190 pounds. I my total high was about 220. But so from 190, I went down to right around 170, and not, so I was at 170 when I started intermittent intermittent fasting, and I made it all the way down to 129. And I'm now staying between 140 and 145. This morning I was 145. 
I too would like my range to be from 135 to 140, but I, I, I also am happy with 140 to 145. I can't even buy clothes that fit me here in the United States. Wow, that's fantastic. It's hard to find small for men. Very yeah. hard. Mate, you'd be riding in the Kentucky Derby at that rate. That's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, well, between you, you've lost over 100 pounds. So that's quite incredible in itself as a couple, and it must have made such a difference to your lives. But Susie, we might start with you. When you first came to the fasting, you heard the video with Dr. Fung and you, you got into it. What was your protocol? And were you both doing the same protocol? How did you start? Um, yes, we, we did the same protocol together because that really helped us. Um, we feed off each other. So if I knew, like we would discuss it in the beginning of the week, usually, um, like, like Neil said, we started off with the 36 hour fast the first day. We were learning a lot about um, what happened? It was a game for us to find out what happened at this hour of your when you start fasting. What happens at hour ten? What happens at hour fifteen? So we were always clocking it and and counting our hours together. And we 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 would be like, oh, this is what our body is doing now. I worked from home for the first for the pandemic years, so I was always home. So we ate together. Um, I would make dinner during my workday, and then we would he would come home and eat it. So when we did eat, and then. I have now got a job for the past year in an office. I'm back in the office setting. So we do eat differently. Um, a lot of times we don't even eat the same meal. I don't like to eat so late at night. When I, I get home about, it's almost 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. So he'll, he gets home around between 12 and 2. So he'll eat between 12 and 2. And then I will eat in the office. I a lot of times take my lunch and just eat it there. But um, we have tapered off from the longer fast after reading your book and learning that this, our lifestyle, our health, our weight loss can still be um, maintained and still achievable with that one meal a day. So that's what we're doing now. Yeah. But it, again, it is, it is different times and different, um, different meals altogether. A lot of times. Yeah. And so with you, Neil, you're, you're an afternoon eater. Is that right? Yeah. I, I prefer to eat with Susie, but more often than not, I'll come home from work and eat a meal. And uh, I do limit my window to one hour. I always open with pork rinds. Fortunately, I absolutely love pork rinds. And I usually have a meat and a vegetable, and then I finish with peanuts in the shell. And then I close my window for 24 hours. You know, losing 100 pounds must have done so much for you guys as a couple and you're Pictures say it all. You look so incredibly happy. I mean, I'm sure you were happy before, but I mean, it just that amount of weight, losing it together and the success that you've had, it must have really enhanced your life, Susie. Oh, it, it absolutely did. I, I can't even tell you, you know, we talk about the NSVs and I am so much more because Neil's always been active. He's retired army. He's been active. I was never active. I, I am more of a reader I'm more of like, I like sedentary crap, like sewing, knitting, that kind of thing. Um, but I have really ventured out now. I, we kayak, we kayak together. We kayak in one single, a double kayak. You know, I would never have dreamed of even trying to do that because I, in my back of my head, I would always be afraid that I was too fat to get in it or too fat. I would take up the whole entire weight limit. Um, but that's just freed us to do so much more now i go on carnival rides i go on fair rides which i never would have before for fear of the seat not closing 
Um, you know, there's all that's exhausting, you know, trying to keep up these mental things. Like I can't do that because I, I can't do this because I'm too fat or I'm too heavy. Um, going into a restaurant, looking at the, and you've heard this one before. I know looking at the chairs, hmm. am I going to fit in that chair? Is that chair going to be really unsteady underneath me? Um, yeah. But, and as a couple, it's just, opened up everything. We, I even went parasailing last year. I never would have done that, but I didn't even give it a thought. I was just like, Nope, I'm going to do that now. Yeah. So that it, we're just so excited that it's opened up our, our lives. Amazing. Amazing. And, and that word freedom gets used a lot. And it is a freeing thing when you get the weight off your body and you can do those things. I mean, kayaking is so much fun and you've been able to do that, Susie, especially with Neil and do it as a couple. That's even more joy, so to speak, but you know, and you mentioned that, and it's so true. So many of us that have had issues with weight, we do worry about things like the chairs at restaurants. We do worry about the movie theaters, all of that. So, Neil, for you, the the sort of non-scale victories Susie sort of touched on there, there must have been a few for you along the way. Yeah, I had many non-scale victories. Um, one of them was Susie uh, parasailing. That was unbelievably an NSV for the both of us. But my NSVs, like I stated before, the clothing, I actually went, before I started my weight loss, I was headed in to order new uniforms for the military because I was getting fat. And I was gonna go from a 36 to a 38 waist. Well, I didn't do that, as you know, but just to sum it up, now my pants, I can wear 29s regularly and in some makes I can actually wear a 28 inch waist. I've had several pains. I, I, I used to be a runner and I had plantar fasciitis, so I had to quit running. Uh, I no longer have any problems with that. I had pains in my hand to the point where I went to the doctor and got an injection and the pain came back. So I had the pain when I started fasting, that pain is completely gone. And to be honest with you, I, I have never felt as good in my life as I do right now at age 58. I do not recall feeling this good. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your military background, mate. What were you doing then? Yeah, so I did eight years active duty United States Army. I got out for a short period of time and then joined the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. So I spent the, re the next of my, I got a total of 20 years in service by doing the rest of it in the Army National Guard. And in 2004, I deployed to, deployed to Iraq for a year. So I spent a year in Iraq in combat. So, uh, but I do have a retired status. I'm a retired United States soldier at the moment and we'll get to draw a pension in a couple of years. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your service, Neil. We really appreciate everything you guys You're do welcome. over there. And uh, I'm sure everybody in your country does as well. So yeah, we much appreciate it, but Susie, like when you started with that protocol, did you guys get the message about the clean fast? Did you understand that? Or was that something that came later? That is such a good question. Um, that came much later. I, and that's, you know, I, I looking back on it, it, I did lose weight, but you know, Jason Fung and, and Megan Ramos, they, I have so much respect for them, but they don't stress the clean fast a whole lot. And I know that their focus is, I know Dr. Fun's focus was to get people, you know, diabetics to get them to become cured. Um, they, all I needed to hear was like, they, they said, it's okay if you need that shot of cream in your coffee, or if you need to eat an olive during your, or a piece of cheese during your fast, 
that's all I needed to hear. And so I would do, I, for the first year, I did not clean fast. I did not. I, and I, you know, working from home, I was drinking coffee with my heavy cream and my sweet and low all day long. Um, so, and, and also having a hunk of cheese here and there. So, you know, I, until I actually read your book and realized how important and how much easier clean fasting makes the whole fasting journey. Um, that's when I, I, that's when everything clicked for me when I read you. And I gave up my cream and my coffee. I gave up the sweet. No, I don't. And I don't, I never was a big soda drinker, um, but I don't, you know, I don't drink any of that. Anything with sweet and low, I don't use at all. You know, it's just strictly clean fasting. Yeah. And it has made it much easier. So tell us about that. I mean, the switch from, we often hear people talking about, they started off with dirty fasting and then they sort of, sometimes they struggled to get through the fast or they were going too long and they're white knuckling and they had that feeling of when their window opened, all they wanted to do was eat. And that was a byproduct of, you know, having those bits and pieces of food during their fast and a heavy whipping cream, thinking that food was coming. And when it wasn't, that's when it can be, be difficult. So did you notice that when you switched over and how long did it sort of take and what were some of the differences? Um, it, I feel like it, it, it made it a lot easier right away. Um, I did have a hard time with the coffee starting that I never thought I would like black coffee and and I tell this story because it's so funny but uh to me I when I finally made the realization that I had to stop the cream I cried I I mourned it I didn't I Neil I I cried and um but then I got that realization and it did it, it did not take long it just switched right over and um just made it much easier much easier and we monitor we're big on we got the the keto mojo. So we monitor our ketones and our um, insulin levels, our glucose levels all the time. And um, it did make a big difference right away too. the insulin or, you know, the glucose dropped right away. Um, instead of, I was, I was having like, I, I don't, I'm not sure how you met, how your measurements go in, in Australia there, but I know my numbers were like, I would wake up at like 85, 90 were my numbers, which are good. But then once I started to clean fast and stuff and, and just eat that one meal a day, it was, I would wake up with like a 75. My ketones were like five, 0.5 to one. So I was always, you know, I've been in keto ketosis um, since I did go to the clean fasting a lot quicker and a lot easier. Yeah. Was that the same for you, Neil? Yes. Um, well, fortunately I liked black coffee. So that wasn't a problem for me, but the dirty fasting, uh, <clears throat> I, we just went dirty fasting in the beginning because like Susie said, they said it was okay if it got you through. Uh, to have cream in your coffee or even a pickle during a fast is better if that gets you another whole day. But yeah, through listening to you and several others, I, I became a podcast junkie and a book junkie. I've listened to every audio, audible book I could get my hands on. And I learned about the clean fasting and it does make it much easier. And in the beginning I chewed chewing gum and I drank a lot of diet soda through the whole entire thing. And I could still get my ketones all the way up to 6.0 or 5.5. It just seemed hard. And once you do a clean fast, the, the, all that goes away. It just seems easy. Yeah. Oh, Matt is a no brainer. It's just so easy to eat one meal a day. It's just not even, it's not even a thought anymore. It's habit. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, this 
Well, just to clarify, you know, about what the Dr. Fung and others say about, you know, having these crutches, if you call them that, to get going with fasting. And Dr. Fung's dealing with some severely obese people in his clinic there in Toronto, people that are four or 500 plus pounds. And these people are going to die if they don't do something and get the weight off their body. So he's sort of trying to encourage them to do that. But at the same time, he says, once you get through that crutch, then the ideal thing is to have that pure fast. And I think that's important for people to understand that, yes, you might have some weight loss by doing what's called the dirty fasting as it's referred to in the IF community. But in my opinion, if if you're not clean fasting, you're just simply not fasting at all because what you're doing is you're interfering with the process of that fast. And what you want to do is keep that insulin as low as possible you want your cells to repair and regenerate. And that also gets interfered with when people are having bits and pieces like diet drinks in their sort of fast period. So it's really important that for people out there listening, if you're going to start, start with the clean fast and go from there. But let's talk about the eating windows now. And I'll start with you, Susie. If you would describe your eating style prior to IF and then maybe talk about how that's transitioned and how it may have changed now. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to preface that with in 2013, I did have the gastric bypass surgery. So 10 years ago I had that. And, um, I did initially lose my goodness, 85 pounds a day or two. Um, so I think I, you know, I, I was very good at like really watching what I was eating at that point because I did not want my stomach to get bigger. You know, there's always that fear. Your stomach is going to get bigger. So I was always trying to watch what I was eating there. Then about two or three years later, then it, then it loosened. And I started snacking a lot more. I was eating a lot of yogurt. Remember, I bought yogurt. I had stacks of yogurt in the house. So this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I would also put um, uh, sugar on that. I, got, I, I was so addicted to sugar. I do have a sugar addiction. And I would pour sugar on my yogurt, you know, and then just to, and when I look back on that now and I just want to cry because that's, there's so much sugar in yogurt, which you, I did not realize and there I'm adding more to it. So previously my eating habits were a lot of snacking and um, I would eat, I would get, I would make my breakfast at work. I thought it was good. I would take an egg and microwave it in the microwave and put cheese on it, eat that. And then I would, we would go to lunch because we worked close together. So we would go pack a, a homemade lunch and then come home and have supper. And I just thought I was doing, you know, the right thing there. And in between then we would have, then I would wake up. I was a middle of the night either too. I would wake up at like two o'clock in the morning, come out and have a yogurt, try not to let Neil wake up. Sometimes he did. Um, but since we got on the fasting and, and read and learned about how bad that is for your body. And like you just mentioned, you know, letting your body rest. I, I didn't know that. I, I, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm an RN. I just really didn't. I, I, again, you, you hear about doctors having like two hours of nutrition in their study. We had one, we had one hour in my whole nursing course of nutrition. And it was nothing that I really needed in, in real life, you know, learning about the pancreas, how it needs to rest, the stomach needs to rest, the digestion, everything needs to rest. And I was never giving my body time to do that ever. And, um, so now, now. I understand that I do. And that's, that's kind of what keeps me going a lot is remembering that my body needs to rest. The, the pancreas has to stop for a little bit. Yeah. But to unpack there, I'll just go back to your, the gastric banding that you had in that weight loss surgery there 
So if you you what you you now, and there may be people sitting out there with severe problems with obesity and they're overweight and they're desperate and going to their doctors and their doctors are suggesting uh, that sort of weight loss surgery to them. Would you have done that if you you about intermittent fasting and the benefits of it back then? I would not have. Um, I, in fact, we've talked about this. You know, I, I actually mutilated my body for something that I, you know, I didn't have to. Um, you know, I, I it, it's always a risk. Surgery is always a risk. I, I risked that. Um, I took time off of work. I altered my whole being when something as easy as just doing what your body was made. If I had been doing what my body was made to do in the beginning, um, just, you know, you're not made to eat every day or every all day long. You're just made to eat that. You know, you really just need that one meal. Had I known that and applied that knowledge, I would not have done the surgery. I, yeah. I don't think so. And that's a pretty standard answer from most people that have been down that path and learnt about IF. And I think I know of a medical clinic in New Zealand where they won't send people down the path of weight loss surgery unless they give intermittent fasting a try first. And they give it a red hot go because they want people to do it naturally rather than have that. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. And thank you for sharing that. But I just wanted to talk also about your sugar addiction there. How's that now, now that you've been in an intermittent fasting lifestyle for two years, is that pretty much under control? Um, it, it was until um, recently when I started back to work in the office, I changed jobs. And um, so now I had quick and easy access to, as we discussed before, Graham, quick and easy access to the candy. And I was, I'm working long hours. I'm there till sometimes six, seven o'clock at night. And I, as the day goes, I get more stressed. So I know that that candy, I just have to walk down there and buy this candy. So I, I got, wasn't really off the fasting train journey, but I would be eating the sugar in my window and that led to the 20 pound regain. But, you know, I, and I knew I had to do something because I do not want to go back to that. I don't like the way I feel when I eat. I, I don't like it. So I, you know, I, I talked to you and you put a lot of things in perspective, gave me a lot of thoughts and tools and um, the realization that I did it. And I, 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 I quit drinking. We, uh, we got on this intermittent fasting as a team. We also quit drinking as a team. So I, I, I mean, if I can quit drinking, I can quit sugar. So it's been, yeah. it's been a rough couple of months, but I'm back on that. You know, yeah. it, it does, you do have to withdraw from it. So yeah, and good for you. And I, I congratulate you on that. I mean, you talked about that, a candy store in a hospital. I was just like blown away by that. I thought, what hospital has a candy store at it? For goodness sake, it's a place where people come to get well. And, you know, here they are. And you've heard me talk about my stay in hospital where they were bringing food around. And I was looking at the food and there was like 35 teaspoons of sugar on this tray. And I'm thinking they're doing this three times a day. That's 100 teaspoons of sugar. And they're only supposed to be giving us eight, according to the World Health Organization. And here's a hospital. This is a private hospital giving me 100 teaspoons of sugar a day to eat. And I was just like, no wonder we've got such a problem when our nutritionists that are organizing these meals in hospitals cannot see this. And then now <clears throat> you're telling me that there's a candy store in your hospital. And that's, yeah, so much temptation. But Neil, same question for you, really, with your food choices before and after. So before... Uh... Before I have to go all the way back, I couldn't eat anything without having potato chips. I was a truck driver at that time, and I made a project of having food, having junk food in the truck all day long. So then I decided I had to lose weight, 
as you know the story there. And then um, I so I started the Atkins diet. So by eating low carb all those years, so I don't even know, 10 years or more, here I thought I was eating right. I listened to what they told me. I had breakfast. I had a, that was early in the morning before six o'clock. At nine o'clock, and I would watch the clock. At nine o'clock, I would have my snack. Then at 12 or 12.30, I would have my lunch. Then in the afternoon, somewhere around 2, 2.30, I would have a snack. Then I would have supper. Then I would have a snack before bed. Now, my snacks, I thought, were good. They were peanuts. They were, at that time, it wasn't as much pork rinds, but it would have been uh, like meat, like a beef jerky or cut up ham and cheese. I like a lot. So I'm thinking I'm eating low carb. I had no idea what insulin was at this time. No idea. Insulin, leptin, ghrelin. I knew nothing about any of it. And once it was explained to me through all you podcasters and Dr. Fung and everybody, once I learned that insulin needed to come down and the only way to do it was to not put food in your body, I just, it all made sense. And when it makes sense, then I'm okay with it. So, so now my eating, I could go days without eating. I choose not to anymore. In the beginning, we did three and five day fast uh, several times. And it was very, very interesting to see how your body affected it. Like Susie said, we were waiting to see what happened, when you would go to the bathroom, when you didn't go to the bathroom, how it affected your body, the rumbling stomachs, the staying awake at night. It was fun. It was really fun. And knowing that you weren't going to die because you're burning fat, you have lots of fat to burn, you, you know, and, and really once you get past the three days, I, this is kind of off subject, but once you get two to three days into a fast, I call it a steady burn. Now, now you're level and you just can't imagine how good you feel because there's no up and down anymore. It's just steady cruising. And you know, your body's running just fine. You feel good. You walk fast. You move like a young man. It's just, it's, it was fascinating. Yeah. When did you dial it back? I mean, you mentioned there that, you know, after getting more information about fasting from books and that type of thing, and you both do OMAD now. And so I think when you start, you trial a few things and see what works. You guys dove in pretty deep there. And now you just settled into a rhythm, just your daily fast. So Susie, I might talk about your OMAD first. And what we're referring to here is one meal a day. And some people do it in different ways. Some people do it a restaurant style. Well, they'll open with a snack and then they'll have a main and they might have some dessert similar to going out for a meal where others might just have one sort of plate of food or a Thanksgiving size uh, plate of food. How do you do it, Susie? Um, I do pretty much just that one plate. Um, I And I eat, we both kind of tend to eat the same thing. Not We don't eat the same thing, but we are the same meal. Like we kind of just, I like my romaine lettuce. I like, I have a particular salad dressing that I put on it and my cheese. I like, I, which we discussed at our meeting, you know, like we, we like our gourmet cheeses. So I have my cheese. Sometimes I'll have some meat with that, a hamburger or something, but I'm not, a, it's not, I mean, I enjoy meat, but I'm just not a big meat eater. So I just have that one plate. Usually I don't think I get a lot of calories with it. I, I think still because of the gastric sleeve, I do get full pretty easy. And also the, the fasting reset. I know that that resets you. So I do get full pretty easily. Um, and so I do eat a lot of times at work. So I don't want to be eating a whole bunch of food, like right there. With, I share an office with a, another woman, another nurse. 
so I don't want to be eating constantly, but, um, so I just pretty much eat that, that one window and then, you know, be done with it. I don't eat for like an hour at a time. I just, it usually takes me about half an hour to finish that. And I eat well, and I know you're not supposed to do this, but I do eat while I'm working. So, um, that's, but I did, I tried what you, I know you always say you like your cream in your coffee as a dessert, or do you open your meal with that, you know, or part of your dessert? I just can't, I just can't even do that anymore. I've tried that. I'm like, I'm going to do what Graham does, you know, cause I'm trying my cream, but it's just, I'm so full so that I can't yeah. even do that. So. Yeah. You've reached still, the point of appetite correction yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But yeah. Neil, same thing for you, mate. Like what's your style with the OMAD and, and how, why do you like OMAD so much compared to what you started off with? Well, because the OMAD, as I said before, there's no thinking to it anymore. It's just I'm going to eat one meal a day whenever it suits. If if uh, Susie does want a hamburger on the grill, I'll wait and eat with her. If she's eating at work, I'll eat when I get home from work. And like I said before, I'm addicted to pork rinds, which that's a lot better than sugar, I guess. I So I open it with pork rinds and... Then I like a meat and a vegetable of some sort, and then I eat shelled peanuts afterwards, a good size handful. It keeps me in ketosis, and it makes me feel good. And I feel so satiated after I'm done eating that, that literally I just do not want anything else. I just, I am completely satisfied. Yeah. So the OMAD is, is your jam, so to speak. And the same for Susie yeah. now, that's what you're doing. For me, it's just the, the fact that I like eating once a day and it's autopilot yeah. for me as well. I mean, I, I don't think about it. I wake up in the morning, I go about my fast. I don't have a nap. I don't look at the clock. I just know at some stage in the afternoon or late afternoon is when I eat, when I get around to it. And that's what I do when I eat till I'm full and, and satisfied, not stuffed. I eat what makes me feel my greatest, not what my mind wants. And then I close my window and repeat the next day nothing could be more simpler and that's what i like about fasting and intermittent fasting is that it's simple i'm a simple guy so i don't need complicated things in my life and i guess neil for you focus and discipline comes easy for you because of that military background you've had to apply that to your life as well and you have that discipline and particularly when you're on the front line there in iraq you would you guys wouldn't have known sometimes when you're going to have your next meal yeah, exactly and i it's just as simple as what you said i listen uh and when i hear dr fong talk about fasting and how it cures diabetes and when i hear everybody else there's actually another indian doctor we listen to for the for deep jamdas and he explains fasting and it, he's kind of comical about it, but he's like, your body's not stupid. It's not going to let you die. So when I hear these people just make sense, yeah, I listen. And when they tell me the hunger is a wave and it'll go away, I wait and see. And sure enough, it does. So it was just, yeah, pretty easy for me to, to listen. If it makes sense, then I'm okay with it. And there's a whole lot about our health that does not make sense when it comes to pharmaceuticals and the food industry and how they are trying to kill us. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? The more information you find out, the sort of more, not angry, I guess, isn't the word, but the sort of, you know, you feel like you've been misled in terms of food consumption in our life. I mean, we were brought up that you had to have three meals a day and snacks. I saw a woman on TV last night preaching this. You've got to eat five times a day. You've got to eat every, every two hours. And I was just like, man, this is why we have a problem. People are getting that message. I need to eat every two hours. But what they're eating isn't 
isn't what they should be eating. And then they end up with a weight gain and they go, oh, that's what I was told to do, eat five times a day. But they take that to the next level. And it's a bit like that message we hear, you can eat whatever you want with intermittent fasting. But for me, eating whatever I wanted got me to 360 pounds. So when I eat what makes me feel my greatest and it makes me sleep restfully and, and on the sleep, is the sleep being better for both of you, Susie, do you think? Oh, I think so. Yes. Um, I feel like it is like Neil goes to bed. We go to bed together, but um, he falls, he falls asleep right away. Um, I feel very, I feel a lot more rested when I wake up in the morning. Um, I don't feel like we get up as much in the middle of the night to go, but it's just been very restful or sleep. And, and I know how important sleep is, you know, for your, for your health. So it, it, that's another win. Yeah. Cause you, you guys have got children and grandchildren. Yes. Yep. We have um, three children together. He has two daughters and I have one son and we have one um, we have one granddaughter and then another grand uh, grandson on the way. Yeah. So you have a lot of wise as well. And I mean, obviously, you know, grandchildren take a lot of energy and you want to be able to get down on the ground with them, kneel and be able to play with them and run around with them at the park and that sort of thing and go and watch them play, you know, footy or baseball or whatever they're playing there. So I guess, Neil, for you, that was one driver as well, that you wanted to go into your 60s now that you're retired and you wanted to set up for longevity as well. Yeah, that, that probably was the main thing. My mom passed away at age 67. Uh, she was always trying to be healthy, but she had a sort of form of cancer. And my dad <clears throat> was disabled and uh, had some back issues and he couldn't move very good. So he was extra big and he was the type of person that didn't think he was big. He thought everybody else was. And then I, I just look around and I see how people age and I used to work retail. So I see how people age and I see the people that I want to age like. And um, I, I tell everybody, first of all, I quit drinking. It's not a big deal. Don't feel bad for me. I drank more in my drinking days than most people drink in a lifetime. So, you know, um, and I tried to kill myself. I smoked, I chewed tobacco, I did everything wrong. And then at some point in my life, I decided this is all, I wanna live now and I wanna live healthy and I wanna feel good. And I really like boating. And I, one of my whys is at age 70, I still wanna be able to put my boat in the water and take it out of the water, just like I do now. Yeah. I wanna be able to move. I wanna be able to do it. I can water ski, I'm 58 years old. I can water ski like a 20 year old. Yeah, but, you're gonna. You know, if fifty pounds ago, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the energy coming through there, and I think it it is a fact that you set yourself up for longevity. And I know I've said this many times that when I was fifty, I honestly felt like I wasn't going to see sixty, right? And yeah. now I've turned sixty, I feel like I'm forty, and that's the difference in my life, and that's the difference intermittent fasting has made to me and how I feel. And it doesn't have to be that way or people to live a life of obesity and poor health. That's that's the message from us talking here. And if somebody out there is listening and you've got poor health, you're carrying a lot of weight, you're desperate, you don't know what to do, then give it a go. You've got nothing to lose. I mean, what have you, the thing you have to lose is, is your life maybe and also the quality of your life because if you go to hospitals and you walk into a emergency room or just walk through a hospital and what you notice is that there's a lot of people that are debilitated and most of them are carrying a lot of weight 
And that was us, right? We were, we were heading that way. And so it's really important that we set ourselves up for longevity. And I think intermittent fasting certainly helps with that. But, you know, what are you guys, you talked about that alcohol there. I just wanted to touch on that for a minute, Susie. When did you decide to give that up? And, and what was the why behind that? Um, the why was I, I never really drank until like, I, I'm like five years, be, I, right after my gastric bypass surgery. So, which is a common theme. Um, you know, I had, so I kind of, I had, I couldn't turn to food. So I turned to wine. Um, Neil was a, a beer drinker and then I just started drinking wine all, it just turned into all the time, you know, like I was drinking it and we were, we were fun functioning, absolutely functioning drunks. I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> and one day I had, we had a party at the house with the family and, um, I had made limoncello and which is like uh, vodka and um, lemon lemons, and you know, and it was very good. And I was m mixing it with my wine, and I got ugly. I got looking out the window, and I, my own family, they were my step grandchildren, and I was like, "Who are those people?" And I said some really, I don't even remember saying it, but I was told, you know, and I thought that is not me. I cannot be like that, you know. I this is ridiculous. So we both read a, a book again, you know, we're very book people, I guess we read this book, um, this naked mind and we read it. I read it. He listened to the audio and that was, we never took another drink, never took another drink. And that's been five or six years, five years now, it'll be five years. And, um, so, you know, that, that is a common theme going from, you know, like cutting back food, then switch going back to alcohol and, I'm, I'm just forever grateful for that book. I'm, I'm forever grateful for your book. Uh, you people out there have just changed our lives. Changed yeah. us. Just talking about that, Neil, and the alcohol, sort of, you know, what difference has it made to you? So, uh, drinking was a logistical nightmare. We couldn't leave the house without the cooler and the ice and the wine and the beer. Or when I was on my Atkins kick, I was drinking Diet Coke and rum because that was zero carbs so it was a logistical nightmare it was a it was taking a chance every time you drove anywhere because we didn't go anywhere without alcohol now we weren't stumbling down drunk but you were drinking probably to, to the point i don't know how they do it over there but here it's a, a dui and you you know you get in trouble and so all those worries are gone now and of course it's a big help in the weight loss field because it's straight sugar plus alcohol. So you you have everything going against you. Uh, it's as as freeing as feeling confident about your weight and how good you feel about that. It's the same feeling when you're in a room full of drunks and you're the sober one. It's yeah. actually kind of fun. <laughs> it is. It is actually. And yeah. you heard me talk about my past. <laughs> I was a party boy as well. And um, I love to party. I love to beer. But you know, now I just don't miss it. But that's not to say I don't have a beer because, I, you know, was when I get together with my mates, I'll have a beer. But it's not as often and it's rare and I enjoy it. And I don't drink as much because I hate that feeling of being hung over. Because when you're hung over, all you want to do is eat eat bad food, right? Because you feel terrible. And then you eat the greasy food to try and make you feel better. But, you know, for me, and then like you said, you don't have to worry about logistics. You don't have to worry about, you know, worrying about catching taxis or something if you have to if you've had a few drinks or that worry of being picked up by the police or whatever it may be so all those worries go out 
And it's a bit like food as well for me. I don't have that logistical nightmare of, you know, preparing for a trip and having to pack up eskies with food. I go on a lot of road trips for work. I used to pack up these eskies. I'd put all the food in there and then I'd buy all the food on the way. And now I don't do any of that. And it just makes life so much easier just to have that one meal a day, a really good meal, be satisfied and be done. But I want to talk about exercise with you guys for a minute. And just Susie, you can run us through that. What's exercise like for you two? Um, well, I will tell you about both of us. I, my mind is easy. I don't exercise. Um, I, I just don't, like I said before, I was never, never an exerciser or an outdoors family, child, anything. Um, I know that I should. Um, and when I do, I know I feel so much better. I just, I, and then when I do, I'm like, why don't I do this? But Neil is, he's always been the athletic type. Um, you know, he's in the army and then he was running, and then he, we have two big dogs. So for years before he took this new job, every single day he was up walking the dogs like two miles a day. Um, and that, that was his, now he has this new job where he has to be to work at four. So he has cut off that, but his job is in and out, in and out of the truck all day long. So he's got a lot of that pulling himself up and getting in and out and moving product around. But um, so he gets the exercise. I don't, I, I, I do feel like, I need to start and it is a lot easier being 85, 75 pounds lighter. It's much easier. It's much easier to move. And this is just a, an aside here, Graham, like I, the fasting has taken all the pain away. Like I had pain in my knees. I, I am bone on bone in my knees. I can hear them. I can hear them grinding. I don't have pain. There is no pain in my, I'm not getting steroid shots. I'm not, you know, I just don't have the pain anymore. So yeah, exercise would be a lot easier. So yes, I should do that. Yeah. And so, you know, Neil, obviously your background, again, being the military, you would have had boot camp and all that sort of thing and been run off your feet and had to have been fit to be in the army and be on the front line, man. If you didn't, weren't fit, you were in trouble, right? And so I guess a lot of that natural sort of residual fitness, if you like, is stuck with you. Yeah, it did. And like she said, I walk the dogs daily. It, there's nothing stopped me. Maybe a doubt. Actually, we live on a hill. So if it was icy, I didn't do it. But I walk the dogs every day. And now that I do get up earlier, but my I'm somewhat physical. I climb in and out of the truck and I can climb in and out of the truck like a 25 year old guy. So uh, I like that part of it. I'm also always doing stuff around. We have a, a few acres here. I cut and split firewood. I mow the grass. I'm always, always on the go, always moving. She forgot to mention not only kayaking, we boat, we water ski. We also do a considerable amount of bicycling. So we, we do, we're always on the go. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know what it's like with an acreage property. There's always something to do, Neil, isn't there? But, yeah. you know, let's yeah. talk about the mindset of intermittent fasting now. And obviously you guys, to me, have this really great mindset about this and you've seen the benefits and you've settled into this now. Would you say mindset is almost 95% of this? I mean, the actual thing of doing fasting, right, is that you fast and then you feast in a period of time. But it's that mental side of it, I think, is the hardest part to get your head around. Would you agree with that, Susie? Oh, absolutely. Yep, I, I would agree with that. My head, a lot of times, um, not so much now, but in, in before, was always just telling me to eat. Like, I, I, people talk about the hunger. I never really had hunger. I 
my mind was just telling me I want to eat, you know, it was just constant. So I'm, I'm, I'm mentally just telling myself to stop, stop. I have to take some deep breaths and I literally physically stop what I'm doing and just turn my mind off because it's just a lot of it is telling me to eat. So getting over the mindset that I had to eat, that I wanted to eat, um, that was, and, and it's getting easier as it goes, you know, these two years, you know, it, it has gotten a lot easier, but that was, that was it for me, the mind more than the physical hunger. Yeah. And I think there's that, we all have that good and bad in us. We have good Graham and bad Graham. We have good Susie and bad Susie. <laughs> And sometimes they clash and sometimes they nag away at each other. I know when I was trying to beat my sugar addiction, I had those two people sitting on my shoulders going, come on, Graham, go down and get some sugar, you know? And then it was good Graham saying, come on, you don't need that, you know, get your health back. And unfortunately, good Graham won out and uh, sort of good over evil usually does. But yeah, Neil, for you, the mindset game. Yeah, it's a hundred percent mindset, 100%. And it's still to this day, it's hard. I, we've been doing it two years and it's still hard because everything revolves around food. Every time you say you want to meet somebody or do something, it's always, well, where are we going to eat or, or we're going to go out to eat. So, so that's number one is mine's just thinking about eating. And so that I can handle pretty good. But what we are faced with, I'm sure you are too, but here in America, you cannot get away from the commercials. The food commercials, everything is about food. Well, I read the book, Salt, Sugar, Fat, too, and I know how bad all food, processed food is bad, period. Well, then they kill us by giving us all this food, and that now they want to drug us to death to, to fix the problems that the food causes. And everything on TV is a, a drug commercial. So, And it's all mindset. That's all what is instilled into us. No one wants to cure diabetes. No, they want that little pill with a big story to tell. And, you know, so the, don't, don't cure your diabetes. Just take a pill for it and keep right on going to McDonald's. It, it, mindset is the whole thing. It, and if you could just get people to understand the insulin, the ghrelin and the leptin hormones and understand that in, insulin has to come down in order for you to, to live a long and healthy life. As Americans, it doesn't happen. We watch it with little kids walking around with bags of Cheerios, jamming them in their face all day long. Their insulin never stops. And I know kids are different and they need to eat, but it's the, it's the mindset. From little up, your mind is to eat, 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 and then we'll give you a pill later on in life to keep you alive a little longer until you get embalmed. Yeah, <laughs> it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? And, you know, that's, that's the thing. And you know, and usually when you see a study that's negative about intermittent fasting and you look into the background of who funded that study, it usually comes yeah. from one of two places, Big Pharma or the food industry, right? They're, they're putting in the money to get these studies done on a cohort of 30 or 40 people, which is ridiculous in, in itself. But yeah, again, we get back to that more information that we find out then the sort of more myth we get about, you know, what's been fed to us over the years. I mean, you only have to go into a supermarket and you see this stuff like sugar-free you know, low fat and you think, oh, well, I'll have that because it's low fat and it's sugar free. But then when you really know about it, you get some education and you look at the ingredients, you go, man, this has been my problem the whole time. They've been telling me lies about what's in this stuff because they're, they're saying it's one thing, but it's not. And it's like, you know, the keto section in supermarkets. Now I go into the keto section. And I look at all the stuff and I open it and I look at all the ingredients and they all end with TOL, toll. Anything that ends with TOL is a fake sugar, right? 
So when you turn over the nutrition label and you look carefully at all the small print underneath it, and you see words that end with toll, you know that that's got hidden sugars in it. And if you're a person that's got a sugar problem, you're a person that's got a weight problem, well, there's a problem for you right there. And that's why I talk about that perimeter shopping. And just touch on that too, Susie, about you and Neil shopping. Has that changed a lot? Um, it, I'm going to have to say it has not because we, even though we, it, we thought we, we weren't fasting at the time, but we were doing low carb. So, you know, I have known about the perimeter of the supermarket for years and um, I was never raised on junk food and stuff. I never, my mother never bought it. So, you know, I never really had it in the house. So I knew to, you know, just, you want to get your fruits and veg, not even fruits now. Now I know how bad fruits are for you, but um, just get your vegetables and your meats and your cheeses and your dairy, and then just kind of stay out of there. But we never were a big junk food type person going through there, but um, we were eating all the, all the good food all the time. So that was, that yeah. was our problem. So you guys had that but part of it sussed out, Neil. Yeah. Sorry, Neil, go on. Yes. Yeah, the the one thing I can add to that, the, the, the change that I saw in our shopping for food is <clears throat> we definitely buy better quality food. Uh, we don't hesitate now to buy the cheese, that super fancy cheese. And and the, the meat, we get local meat grown uh, here and butchered on our own anyway. So the meat wasn't so big a deal. But yeah, we just buy better food, better quality food. So that that's really what changed for me. Yeah, I think that's important. And if you can afford it, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's some people out there that are struggling a bit and they tend to try and find cheaper cuts of meat and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you can, the better cuts of meat are better for you for sure and the better quality cheeses and that sort of thing. And, you know, and it does cost money. And people often ask me about how much money do I save with intermittent fasting? And I say none because I spend it all on clothes and shoes. And that's what happened because I had to go and buy all these clothes and shoes, right? And, you know, Neil, you've discovered this whole new world now. Now you mentioned you've had that problem with that you've got down to so small there that you can't even find small men's clothes to, to wear or a small man's suit and that sort of thing. And, yeah, I think that's a, a huge thing that, you know, one of the big whys for me was being able to go and buy whatever clothing I wanted. And I've talked about this so many times and obesity was choosing my clothing. I wasn't choosing it. And now I can, it's made a huge difference. And as a man, Neil, it makes you feel good. Doesn't it? When you put on good clothes and you don't have to worry about they don't fit you. It makes you feel super good. You should see my closet. I can't get any more clothes in there. I buy clothes all the time just because I like the way they look. And, and so a, a side note, a real quick thing. We were at, our local fair the, uh, yesterday and there's a old house there, a Barton house. And a lady was explaining a wool coat that a man owned. And she said he, she had to reline it, but the wool was of such um, quality that it just lasts forever. And she said, people in those days invested in their clothing. And you know what? It occurred to me right there. I don't even think I told Susie this. It occurred to me that, yeah, they invested in their clothing because they knew they were going to wear it forever. They weren't going to balloon up, fatten out, and need the little pill to keep them alive. So you could, like now, that's like you said, Graham, when I buy clothing, I know I'm going to be able to wear it forever. So that's going to hang in my closet until I get tired of the way it looks, not because it isn't going to fit me. I think that's great. And, you know, when you can go to your wardrobe season after season after season and you pull the clothes out that yeah. you wore that last season, and they fit you so good. And you just go, wow. And for me, the qualification of intermittent fasting was keeping the weight off, right? Because getting weight yeah. off and keeping it off are two different things. 
And for me, after nearly five years now, I've been able to maintain a 60 kilo weight loss, 132 pounds within a range of four to six pounds is really great because I can go to my wardrobe and get clothes out. I was wearing it. And just yesterday I got clothes out. Um, I'm going to the rugby in France in a couple of weeks time. And uh, last rugby world cup was in Japan. And I got the clothes out yesterday that I was wearing in Japan four years ago that I follow my team, the all blacks with, and they fit me exactly the same. And I just stood there and I thought, how great is this? That you can get clothes that you've had for four years. You put them on and they fit you exactly the same way. And when I was obese, I, just the X's were getting added on. I'd go from X, 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 X. And now there's very few X's on my clothes. And I'm happy about that. Was that the same for you, Susie? The freedom of shopping with that 75 pounds for clothes and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely, Graham. It was it, it just it was so freeing and so exciting. And I could go into like, we, we travel a lot too. And I, one of my um, things I like to do is to go to the consignment shops and I can go in there and actually find clothes in there. I could, I was buying, I mean, I, I buy small sizes and I couldn't understand why there were so many, all these nice clothes in size small. And Neil said, he told me that's because people grow out of them. And they have to give them away. But yeah, it, it's very nice. I can go into any store now um, that I want to. And I can pick out any dress. You know, like my son got married last year. And I didn't have to just take the dress that fit me. I could pick and choose the dress I wanted. And it, it's amazing. And that's, you know, that, yeah, your health is important. But that is one of the best things about losing weight for me is being able to buy whatever I want and, and, and wear clothes that I would never have worn before. Like I'm wearing different styles now. And, and that's exciting. Yeah, I I feel... Styles, colors, yeah. you know, I, I yep. tend to find we look at different colors because now, so, you know, sometimes when you're a big person, just colors make you look bigger. You know what I mean? So when you're a normal yeah. size person, you can wear vibrant colors, but yeah, you guys are very inspiring, but Neil, I might get you, but I'm going to close off in a minute, but if you're sitting around there with some of your ex-military mates or with some of your fellow truck drivers and you're having a chat about intermittent fasting, what would you tell them to get going? What would be some words of advice? So I could go on and on about this because uh, that actually ha happened to me a lot. Uh, we talk about this often, the people that, uh, I worked retail, so I, I knew everybody in my in miles and miles and miles around me. They they just knew who I was. And they saw me losing weight. And in the beginning, they were worried. And actually, more often than not, I got out. I, people assume you have cancer and you're dying. I had more than one person honestly ask me, how did you do it? And I'll tell you about one of those persons because it's very unique. He was a pizza maker he owned a pizza shop and he came up to me one day and he said so truthfully how did you lose the weight I said to him come on and I took him in the back and I explained to him how I lost it because I didn't you can't say it in public people think you're wacko <laughs> so I explained to him intermittent fasting I told him about Dr. Fong and and do you know he lost too he went right down almost to my size and he makes pizza for a living so um main thing is um, most people so to to answer the the question more i have told many 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 people and there's really only about three that haven't taken it to heart and we we talk about this quite a bit the people's lives that i affected one guy actually came up shook my hand gave me a hug and told me i saved his life because when i told him about intermittent fasting and insulin 
and how it changes your body. He, the next time I saw him, I barely recognized him. He was thin. He felt good. He showed me his pants and he said, I'm not going to change pants until I'm down more, but heck, he could have got another leg in there. So I, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, to me, you just need to listen, you know, that everybody in the United States talks about listening to the science. Well, it's, it's common sense and science tells you, you can't eat all day long. You can't be eating and lose weight. So. Yeah. That's fantastic, mate. I know that feeling well of when people come up to you and, and say those sorts of things. And I had a woman ring me in tears and she was saying, you know, her husband had reversed his, his life, if you like. And you know, the, the path that he was on morbid obesity, and this guy now, he looks amazing. I saw a photo of him yesterday. He's on holiday in Europe with his wife. And he looks incredible. And this guy was like well north of nearly 400 pounds at one stage. And um, he's now a fit, healthy guy. And I worked with him for quite some time, you know, a few months to get him to a stage where he was on a right path. And then he did it for himself. And I'm so proud of that guy. And, and yeah, it just about made me cry when his wife rang me. And I was just like, you know, you don't realize that when you're helping people like that and then they come back to you. But it's a great feeling, Neil. And keep doing that, mate, because part of this is paying it forward and sharing your story is going to inspire others. So, Susie, for you, if you're at the hospital with your nursing colleagues or with some friends or some relatives, and yeah, what would you be telling them? Being in the health field, I kind of have to be careful what I say um, because there is a protocol of what, you know, like how we do things. I have not had the success that he has had, that Neil has had with telling people. I have, I've told my friends um, when, because we worked from home from the pandemic and then we got together, they were kind of shocked and they didn't think it was safe and they didn't think I looked healthy and they thought I looked sick. And, you know, I, they, they didn't, they really didn't want to listen, um, you know, and then I, so then I had, I started my new job looking like I do now. So they did not know what I looked like prior. So I did tell my, my office mate this, you know, and, and she was interested, politely interested and, and just carried on with her life. And, and she knows that I fast and she respects that. Neil, I'm, I'm just proud of Neil. He's, I don't know. He's got the, the luck with changing people's lives, but I haven't done that yet. I haven't been able to do that. Well, you've just done it because uh, I can tell you right now, this podcast is heard in 53 countries around the world. Thousands of oh, people a week God. listen to it. Good. So, you know, they hear your story, Susie, and I can tell you that now that somebody's going to contact you in some time and they're going to say, you know what, I heard you on that podcast. I heard you and Neil talking. And you've got to inspire them to start. There's probably a couple sitting there right now saying, listen to this. We're going to give this a go because this is how it works. We inspire each other. And by hearing these stories on the podcast and getting them out around the world, this is how we're going to change. This is how we're going to get things going. But thank you so much, both of you, for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. You're very inspiring members of our Fasting Highway community and our Patreon group. So thank you once again. It was an honor. It was an honor. Thank you. And, and yes, thank you for everything you do. Thank you. That's okay. And uh, I'll do it because of people like you. And it just, yeah, it's fantastic. I can't tell you how inspiring this has been for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Neil and Susie. What a pleasure it was to talk to you. And thank you for sharing your amazing stories. I really love it how you've started this fasting lifestyle together as a couple. You're really applying everything together to make it a successful lifestyle. 
And thank you once again for sharing your story today on the Fasting Highway. And as you heard, folks, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon community. Without the support of our patrons, we simply couldn't bring you this podcast each week. We really need you to get behind us with the podcast so we can continue to do it. Uh, Come and get some great benefits back, including accountability Zoom meetings, bonus podcasts, bonus discussion topics in our Patreon community. You can see the link in the show notes where to join at www.patreon.com forward slash the fasting highway. And if you like stories like you're hearing and you want to see my own story or read about it, uh, you can find that in my book, The Fasting Highway. And you can get that on Amazon and both paperback and Kindle or in audiobooks on audiobooks.com, Kobo, Spotify, and a few other audiobook platforms. Okay, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.